Well, hey, everybody. So thanks, everybody, for uh, listening in today to this Crossroads podcast. I think Tim is calling it temporarily uh, the hot seat with Pastor Jason because uh, I'm just drilling people with questions about their faith stories or whatever else pops into my head. I, I sometimes get annoying to people because I just love to ask questions because I'm just so curious about people. But this is a lot of fun, and what I find is that everybody has a fascinating faith story. Everybody's story is fascinating. And anybody who's following Jesus in the present is doing so because of events, people, influences in their past that led them to be following Jesus in the present. And so today... Uh, this is actually May 18th, but this is going to be um, released in the third week of June. And so I'm really excited that we got to rope in one of my favorite Crossroads people, uh, Josh Young, before he moves. You're moving this Saturday. Yeah, I was almost out of the state, and then you roped me in at the last second. So I'm uh, really excited to be here. Though. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, when we started doing this, I. Part of what Tim and I had in mind was so many people, like, we want to share their stories, but you can't really do it in, uh, like, force it into a two-minute segment that you could use in a sermon or in a service, Um, but how can we get the stories out? Mm -hmm. So, this was kind of the idea behind this. But, you know, your story at Crossroads has very much paralleled my story Mm -hmm. because um, your daughter... Chanel, I think, I'm pretty sure, was the first baby, first person I ever baptized here at Crossroads. It sounds about right. About six years ago, right when we uh, came to Crossroads, yeah, she, we had a baptism here. Yep, that sounds right around the same time frame, though, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, so, now, how long have you been in Washington, and where are you moving, and why are you moving? <sighs> um, so, we've been in Washington for 10 years now, and it truly does feel like home so moving is sad and uh, i am fed ups and downs about that but we're uh, moving down south of nashville tennessee and for our our company we work at uh, advanced correctional health care it was starting started in peoria and now we're transferring the whole company to franklin tennessee which is just south of nashville so we're along we're along for the ride and we're we're pretty excited. It's new change, better better weather probably, uh, but it's also very sad because I I am going to miss Crossroads is one of the biggest things that I'm going to miss here for sure. And it, Washington, Central Illinois feels like home right now. So yeah. Mm. Now, um, you and your wife both work for the same company, right? We sure do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, what is your role specifically? Um, I am. My title is extremely long. Um, I'm the telemental health community outreach and a regional behavioral health manager. Oh my uh, gosh. So you probably have no idea what any of that means. <laughs> Sounds like a great opportunity for a, a high impact acronym, you know, yeah. <laughs> I get, it's on my voicemail and I get the people from the car dealership going, I don't know who you are, but you sound important with that title. So, <laughs> uh, uh, but it, so I, I work with with inmate, well, detainees at different jails all over the country. I provide telemental health, which is basically Zoom calls into the jail, yeah, providing mental health uh, treatment, checking on people who maybe have a serious mental illness or people who are 
uh, on suicide watch in the jails. So it's a little bit different than what you typically think of as your job, as, as most people's jobs. Um, so I provide that. And then I also supervise some of the different counselors who are all over Illinois, Tennessee, Alabama. So we have counselors who are at the different jails and we're actually in 17 different states, but I provide the supervision in those, in those states for those counselors. So um, if they have questions or if there's concerns, I, I oversee those, those sites as well. So, in, in your training, your academic training was in counseling, right? Yes. Yeah. I have a master's, master's degree yeah. in, in counseling. I used to work at OSF. And then my wife kind of roped me into coming over to the family company. I was very hesitant, uh, but I absolutely love it. And the population that we serve is a population that is forgotten about quite often. Most mm. people, everyday outside life, don't think about incarcerated people. And so I do take great pride in, in working and trying to help, help them improve their lives because a lot of them are at rock bottom. And so mm. that's been... My new, uh, my new, my new job and my new kind of passion to to help help people in those situations. So yeah, because I mean, I would think if they were in a prison, then they've they've gone through the judicial system and they're serving a sentence. Where if they're in jail, they may just be in the midst of the crisis, not knowing how it's going to resolve. Correct. So they got to come to county jail first before they get any sort of prison sentence. Uh, so there's people who are there, should be up to a year uh, max, but a lot of people that I see have just gotten to the jail. They might be withdrawing from drugs. They might never been jailed before in their life. And it's this incredibly traumatic event. And they're you know, questioning a lot of things and having a lot of emotions. And so that's when we step in and try to, you know, through counseling, through possibly medication, you know, with the, the doctor's assistance, like finding ways to help them make sure that they're okay in that moment. Because that's, uh, that's a big, you know, in, that, in those moments is a big risk for someone who might take, take their own life. And so that's a big part of what we do is working with them to make sure that they are safe. Yeah. That feels uh, pretty intense. Uh, <laughs> it, 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 it is. It, it is intense. You kind of get used to it. And I see it as a, a calling from God to, yeah. to help to help these people. If it wasn't a calling from God, it would be really hard to do. But it, it it's not, it makes it easier because you know you need to do it. Well, you've you've talked before about how your faith impacts the way you see your daily interactions. Is a in your in your in your job? How did, how has your faith impacted the way you work with these people in crisis? These, um, I mean, it's everything because. If I didn't have that faith, it would just, I would be constantly looking inward at what I need. And that's, that's really hard to help people when you're constantly looking at like what, what you need. Mm. And now that I have that faith, I'm looking at what does Jesus want me to do in this situation? Mm. What does a true Christian do in this situation? How do I help someone who's in distress? How do I help them? You know, possibly find Jesus, hmm. uh, and that's monumental. So now, this is your organization is not technically a Christian organization, right? 
No, not technically. No. Is that something that you can overtly bring into your conversations, or is it something that you rely on Jesus to guide your conversations, but it's not as direct? Because you're not a chaplain, you're a counselor. Exactly. So I, I can't just like come into a conversation and be like, hey, have you heard about Jesus right off the bat? Right. That's not... Um, but it's brought up constantly. So hmm. it's, it's, op- it's option two from your question. It's, yeah. I'm always looking for ways for Jesus to guide me to that. And you would not believe how often it comes up. It, wow. it, it is. And then I jump on the opportunity to try to challenge them to, to look deeper into that faith. My biggest and easiest go-to is, especially during the pandemic, there was a lot of, well, I'm, you know, I'm learning more about Jesus. I'm reading the Bible, but I really miss when the pastor used to come in here and do Bible study or talk talk about it. And I almost always challenge them, and I go, "Okay, then that's a great opportunity for you. Why don't you just do it? Mm. Like you, you can do it." And there's been situations where there's a few times where they have done it, and then they come back and they tell me, "Oh, you won't believe it. The entire the entire block is doing." purpose-driven life study and it's like oh wow wow and it's just, all i did was just you know throw it out there huh. and then i feel like jesus that takes it from is there cool yeah so it, that it, is amazing and it, it is it's, it's it's pretty cool so in my head i'm always thinking about how can i lead this person to jesus where is it it is focused on mental health counseling but then i'm always scheming ways to to get there yeah Wow. So I know that um, you've been on a journey um, over the last several years that you were you were raised in the church and then it wasn't as big a part of your life. And then you got your kids baptized in the church and then you went through a significant loss, right? And yes. that impacted your life. So how, how were you um, raised in the faith? Because it was always a part of your upbringing. Yeah. Uh, I was... Raised Catholic um, from the get-go. My dad is a devout Catholic and a very good Christian. Um, as I was growing up, for whatever reason, it was just, in my mind, it was just more of an annoyance of like, I don't <laughs> really feel like doing this. I don't really feel like going to church. I was very focused on basketball and baseball. And that was like my life as growing up. And it was too much, uh, too much focus on that. And I just never, never really made the effort to, to look into my faith at all. Um, and so I went through, kind of went through the motions. I went to church here and there, went to college. I played um, college basketball for a little bit. So I was more and more focused on that. Where, and where did you go? Uh, I went to Penn State and I played at... Um, I started at like a smaller branch campus and I played at the branch campus. Oh, cool. And then I eventually moved on to the massive 45,000 campus there. Wow. I didn't play basketball there though. Okay. <laughs> um, um, so that was, my focus was was basketball. Okay. And probably alcohol too, honestly. So it was between, and that, I was in the partying, basketball, and I didn't really even, I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about it. I just kind of went went through the motions and once we got married, we um, had kids, 
well, we've had our first kid, Chanel, as you talked about. And, and you met Jess at Penn State? I did, yes. Yeah. I met Jess at Penn State. And we neither of us were really too big into going to church or anything like that. And so once we had Chanel, that kind of was the, my first, like, whoa. Okay, there's some. Because I, I, sorry, going back a little bit, for whatever reason, I even just, I even questioned, it was, I even questioned, like, is there a God? Do I really even believe in God? I would even say that out loud sometimes. I remember Jessica would get pretty upset with me, like, what are you talking about? And I didn't, (laughs) I don't really know why I was doing that. It was just, it was just my maybe overthinking was completely gone from the faith. And then we had Chanel and that was like, okay, whoa, (laughs) like this is like a child that I love more than anything in the entire world. Like this doesn't just happen. Like yeah. there's got to be something, something here. No, I, th- I think that is so common. I mean, I grew up in the church. I was raised in the church. And then when I got to college, you're taking, all you have to take is philosophy 101 to just really look at everything that you've ever believed and say, whoa, mm-hmm. is any of that true? Yeah. And I think that's a big, and there are certain professors that I kind of feel like put those doubts in your head a little bit and then I go and I would almost run with it then or yeah. then and so but Chanel was like okay like the feeling that I have for her and just like seeing <laughs> this human baby like okay there's no way this just happened so <laughs> and then I start I feel like it started really brewing right there yeah yeah it and, is crazy isn't it I mean I, I think that's so true I mean I was following Jesus before we had kids but then once you cook up your first human life yeah. and you see, hold on a second, through this and this, this human being came into being, that's colossal. <laughs> yeah. It just seems so big, so unimaginable. Like, how on earth did this happen? Yep, exactly. Like, you can put one and one together, but this is bigger than than just something that we could fabricate that we could do on our own. Exactly. It's a, it is a miracle. It is mm. a co- complete miracle. Mm. Just it, it's worship. When you, when you see this life, this human mm. life, you're worshiping as you see what just happened. Exactly. So it was brewing there. Um, and then that's when we decided to join Crossroads. And um, I don't even know how we found Crossroads. Actually, my sister-in-law went here, and so that we mm. just kind of jumped on and said, "All right, we'll try this. Try this church." Um, and we got Chanel baptized, and we were going here and there. Didn't get into uh, the routine of it like we should have. And then about eight months after, well, about eight months after Chanel was born, my mom passed away of brain cancer. And that was the next kind of shock that kind of got me. And the reason that that changed me and changed my faith was because leading up to it, like seeing how my mom, who is a great Christian, handled the whole situation and the peace that she was at made me realize that there's something something else there's no way that someone 
honestly, my mom was anxious. Like her, she she struggled with anxiety. She got diagnosed with brain cancer, and she it was almost like this peace somehow overcame her because she just like she knew that it was going to be over on this earth, but she had that great faith that made it made this peace inside of her that that she just worked through and she she was okay with it and i was like how in the world can you be okay with this that doesn't make any sense and just seeing how she how she did that and also how my dad you know assisted her and just stepped up and said you can barely function you can barely move but i'm going to be here and i'm going to do everything that i can to do to help you it was like he was showing me like this is what you know a christian is supposed to do in this in this moment and my mom was showing me like this is what a christian is supposed to do when it comes to the end and and it's okay because i'm going because i'm going to a better place and that that was like okay whoa like i've never i haven't dealt with with this i haven't looked into like what this truly is and that was a a monumental shock to me so that that's when i started going okay there's a little bit more to this then too and so i was like maybe we should start going to church a little bit more and we took the next step from there. Yeah. So you knew they believed certain things, but then you saw how this belief almost came to life. Exactly. That's like, I, they've told me they believe things and they told me I should believe these things. But as like a kid, you're for whatever reason, you're like, you don't know what you're talking about. And you just kind of push it aside. But then to see your parents, like in the midst of the biggest crisis of your life, like, you know, you're going to die of brain cancer. They had peace. They worked together. They worked through it. And they were okay. And they still are okay to this day. My mom's in heaven, but my dad's okay. And it's just incredible. Yeah. Hmm. So that made a big impression. So where did it go from there? So your mom, I remember when your mom passed. I remember when all that was playing out. And so where did you go from there in your journey? Because um, you've been active here since then. You've Since, really yeah, I, I jumped on board. Yeah, a few months after she passed, I've been pretty active here. So I would say two weeks after my mom passed, I called you and asked if I could come talk real quick. And we've talked. It wasn't real quick. Um, we talked for a while in your office. And I just kind of threw some questions at you. You know, I didn't truly, it's just about how I didn't really understand and how I saw my mom and my dad and how this was affecting me. And we had a great conversation and I felt like bonded to you in that sense. Like you felt like you truly cared and that you truly wanted me to find Jesus. So I felt like that made a big impact. And at the end of the of our meeting, you said, well, are you okay? Can we, you're okay if we like, give your life over to Jesus today? And I said, absolutely. We prayed and I said it, I give my life over to Jesus. I felt, I felt, um, it felt good. I felt like it was a good step. Uh, but I wasn't, that wasn't the thing that I feel like that truly pushed it there. Yeah. Uh, nothing against your meeting with me or anything. Oh, no, I don't expect <laughs> miracles to happen every time I pray with somebody. I mean, I can hope. It, it was a big, it was a big step for sure. And I was, I felt good after that, but it wasn't what I felt, I guess, later. So that would have been, 
I don't know, probably sometime. I bet you the summer of 2016. Okay. And then April. So it was actually, and then I, I worked, I, you know, I went to church. After that, I went to church every single week. I was like, I'm full on board. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get involved. I ushered, um, help with the welcome team, um, help with a lot of different things here. And I absolutely loved it. I was on board. I've, I started reading the Bible more on a regular basis. I wouldn't say it was daily at that point, but I was reading it on a regular basis. Um, and I did that probably for almost two years. And then it was April of 2018. Uh, we did the horse trough. Yeah. You remember that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what it was about that. Uh, I mean, I'd been baptized as a baby. Um, but there was something. I, tru- I truly can't explain it. There was something about, you know, saying, I give my life over. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want from this point forward, I want to be a true Christian. And you like, you know, get dumped in water. And it was like this, it was the Holy Spirit, but it was like this feeling just overcame me. And I was like bawling Mm. (laughs) like a baby. And it was just like, I couldn't even control it. Um, But now looking back on it, it was the Holy Spirit like coming over me. And at that point, that's when I truly like, there ain't, there ain't no turning back now. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and since then, I feel like I've, that's what my life is dedicated to is how, how can I be the best Christian? How can I be the best person for my family? And it, it makes your, your identity is much easier to see. It's not saying that life's easier now, but your identity and you know what you, you want to do with your life is a lot easier to see. That's for sure. So that was a powerful moment. Did the power of that moment carry over into the days, weeks ahead? you feel like you were changed at that point or things were different after that? Or did you just know from the power of that moment that it was real? I need to be like smacked over the head to kind of get the point. So like I, I got it there. Wow. But like the power of the moment didn't, like it was a moment and I knew, but it wasn't like for weeks I had this feeling. Yeah. It was like, I just knew that this is what I had to do. So you really felt... God, you felt the Holy Spirit in that moment. Oh, I, I believe, yeah, I truly do believe yeah. that. Yeah. Um. So, and it was it felt it, and it hasn't been easy since then. It's not like you don't feel it long term, but it was like this is. I just knew what I had to do from there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, what have been the things that have been the most helpful for you to maintain and grow in your walk with Christ. You've been through this period of growth. What are the tools or the different aspects of your life that have proved the most helpful? Um, the, I guess when I think about that, for some reason I had this, this thought in my head, well, once I'm fully a Christian, life is going to be somehow easier. And you did a sermon, it was probably a long time ago. Just the basic premise of the sermon was like, just because you're a Christian and you're following Jesus, is life, life is hard. Actually, life's even harder now because you have all these standards that you need to follow. Mm. Um, 
but you find the ultimate peace through that. You, you, you know, you're a better person and you live a more fulfilling life, but it's not easier. For whatever reason, that is one of the biggest things that has helped me is that life is going to be hard. You're a Christian and it's actually going to be harder now, but it's, it's what you have to do and it's what you need to do to be happy and to find peace and to ultimately get to heaven. So that, I feel like that for whatever reason is the biggest part for me right now. Yeah. That's something that I think we can so all easily forget that we expect, Oh, I've got Jesus now. It's going to be a nonstop party until I go to heaven. Yeah. And then people are shocked when life is hard. And so what the Bible teaches, right? Is that once you become a Christian, life continues to be hard. You have all the same hardships that every other human being has. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the additional hardship that now you've got a target on your chest, and Satan is sending extra um, demons to try to trip you up, make you fall, make your life difficult, make you miserable, destroy your witness. So you've got that warfare going on. But what you've also got after you've become a Christian is now you've got uh, the assurance of your Father's love. You've got the assurance of your salvation because mm-hmm. you trust Christ saved you. You've also got the uh, filling of the Holy Spirit, making you stronger on the inside than you ever were before. And you've also got the the manual. You've got the Word of God living and active, and you've got also the company of believers, mm-hmm. and you've got the weekly worship event where you come and the Holy Spirit is poured out on us again. So, yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah, I know the pandemic was hard because you are probably one of the most regular worship attenders oh, thank you. in our church. I mean, as far as, it is very seldom in the past, since you started really coming to church, that yeah. you've missed a Sunday. And if it is, it's usually because we're out of town. I'm like, yeah. obsessive about it now, but yeah. it, fill, it fills me It fills me up. Um, yeah. it, it, so the pandemic was, was hard. Brutal. I mean, Tim Lee's amazing, but it just isn't the same for me yeah (laughs) i know tim's strategy was i know it's hard for people not being here so i'm gonna put two of myself on the screen oh i know i know now they're used to that i gotta make four of myself appear that'll get them through so it's a pretty good strategy it did work but yeah so um what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've encountered since you started following christ um i would say staying on I feel like it's extremely I'm very distractible so it's extremely easy to fall off course I feel like so I have to be incredibly intentional about what I do I've got to read the Bible consistently I mean when I wake up every day basically if I don't it could be gone and there were times where I I fell off course especially during the pandemic and then I mean, you say this all the time. There's other things that are just going to catch your attention and you can just dive into that so, so quickly. That for me is the biggest challenge. I could so quickly dive into like a thousand different political podcasts if I don't pay attention to to Jesus and the Bible and to worship. And I, I will, I'll be gone and I won't even be thinking about Jesus for weeks because I'm, I'll dive into the wrong things. Mm-hmm. And so it's staying on top of that and being intentional and saying, you know, Bible in the morning every single day, Sunday, Sunday worship every single Sunday. That's why I'm obsessive about getting to worship every Sunday because I don't feel right. And I feel like I'm going 
even if it's just one week, I feel like I'm going the wrong way hmm. just if I miss one Sunday. So I guess the biggest challenge for me is just staying on top of it and um, staying consistent with it. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I'm reflecting on the last year and a half myself, and I guess it was about a year and a half ago that I came across this app, which really helped me begin to pray systematically every day. Mm-hmm. You know, it guides through a prayer list, and so I pray for myself every day, pray for my family members every day, and I pray for the church, you know, almost every day. Um, and so um, there's some days where, like, my day starts earlier because I have a, an extra early meeting, mm-hmm. and then I'll get to the end of the day and be like, boy, things just were bad today, or I feel bad, or I feel negative, and then I'll realize, oh, it's because I didn't I didn't exactly. pray at the beginning of the day. I didn't exactly. reset my heart. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's interesting. I'm really happy now that probably um, for years I was in the habit like you of, I'm just, I'm in the habit now where I'm going to read my Bible every day. I just know I am. I've been doing it so long mm-hmm. that it's, it is habit. Before I go to bed, usually when I wake up, I do it, but I will read the Bible every day. It's, it's a part of my life. And it's really cool now with just the reinforced habit over the last year and a half. It hit me this morning like, wow, I'm in the habit of praying for these things systematically every day. Mm-hmm. Where it took me 20 years of following Jesus before I established that habit. But boy, habits are really powerful. And oh, I think yeah. the power of habits is then when we don't do the habit, we feel off, you know? And we start another habit, yeah. too, yeah. if it's not. That. You made a huge uh, decision to, at some point, to separate yourself from some social media because of the distractions, right? Uh, yes. I remember uh, that. I remember that. You're like, I need I to- mean, it's probably been, oh, it's probably only been four months, but yeah, or five months. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I just, it was just the, the constant, even when I don't want to just picking up and scrolling through and then there's, you know, it just seems toxic to me. There's not, I, and I kind of thought like, what am I truly getting from this? Cause at one point I was like, well, I'm friends with a lot of Christians on here. So maybe I'm getting some sort of Christian influence through it. I don't feel like I see that very often. I feel like I just see the bad stuff and the, the political nonsense and like all all of that and the fighting. And I just kind of got to a point where I'm like, I, I need a break. And I kind of just completely deleted it. Um, and I kind of feel great <laughs> right now. So I'm not saying I'll never go back because there's parts of me where I'm like, well, I could probably influence people towards Christianity on here, but maybe I just need to do that in real life though too instead of that so yeah yeah overall it feels good yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i know people are constantly trying to bait us on social media constantly Mm -hmm. and uh it's really hard not to be baited and pulled in different directions and sometimes it feels like do i actually is it legal for me to totally delete this app is it legal (laughs) for me to like not even see this bait and I know sometimes at Lent, usually at Lent, I'll take just deactivate my Facebook mm-hmm. account, and I'm like, "Am I allowed to really do that?" Because <laughs> it seems like we're somehow the world makes us feel obligated that we have, have to, to read there. their rants, or you're going to miss something, or yeah, or, or yeah. like we are so mean if we won't read people yeah. junk nonstop. But yeah. but I mean that's Satan. 
Exactly. Yeah. It's Satan making us feel that telling way. you you got to go back. You got to go back. You got to yeah. stay on top of this, and yeah. it's just not. I'm going back old school, so I'm like, if you really want to talk to me, you can yeah. text me or. I don't know if yeah. you've ever heard this story, but I heard it several years ago, and it really made sense to me. So there was this um, priest walking ar- across this bridge, and he was headed to this place that he'd been trying to go for a long time he'd saved up his money he'd got things in order and he was crossing the bridge on the way to this goal this important goal and he was so happy about it and then as he's about halfway across the bridge this guy comes from the other side meets him halfway hands him a rope and then which is tied to the guy's waist and then he jumps off the bridge and the guy's just hanging there and the priest is like uh what are you doing he's like just don't let go or I'll drown. And the priest is like, well, why did you do this? Why did you jump off? He's like, just don't let go. My life is in your hands. I'll drown if you let go. And the priest is like, okay, I'll start to pull you up and you try to pull yourself up. He's like, oh no, I can't. Just don't let go or I'll drown. And eventually uh, the the priest had to decide, so am I going to sit there and just be controlled by this person who's not going to make any positive steps? Or am I going to let this person decide that they've chosen to go this way, but I've got to live the life that God's called me to live? And I think that's kind of the question, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. with social media, everybody, I think sometimes they say, like, you've got to make my problem your problem. Just, you've got to let it grab your attention right this minute, and you can't do anything else. Maybe that's not right, but I I feel that way a lot of times people... And if, and if, and I saw it too, is like, this is time, like I'm busy with work and kids and a wife, and this is time that I can either dedicate to this little device right here, just flipping through, or I can devote it to my family, I can devote it to Jesus, I can devote it to the Bible, I can devote it to reading something yeah. knowledgeable. So, it, yeah. and it's just, from when I look at it that way, it's like, okay. It's probably worth it. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, by the time this airs, you will have lived in Franklin for a month. Oh, wow. Yeah. And (laughs) so, maybe not quite a month, but Franklin, Tennessee, though, that's where Seedbed Publishing is located. I've told you that. Mm -hmm. That's where the New Room Conference is almost every year. So, that'd be fun. So, I'll see you down there. Yeah, it'd be fun to see you down there. Yeah, but that's cool. You're going to... uh, Pretty cool area. Yeah, yeah. Pretty excited. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people moving out of Illinois are moving to Nashville. That, that's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> it, so it was not easy to find a house. I'll tell you that much. Oh least, yeah. man. So, well, we're really gonna miss you, man. Yeah, well, I appreciate. It. I'm gonna miss this church, and that's been a biggest, a huge part of my you know faith journey has been this church. So it, yeah, I'm gonna miss it a lot too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So what is in closing? What is the biggest lesson about? your faith that you've learned through Crossroads in the past six years? That's a tough, tough, tough closing question. Um, the biggest lesson that it's not, that it's not easy, that it's the only way. And so, I mean, you've got to kind of stick, stick to it. You got to stay intentional and you've got to also have a community of people with you um some people say they can do it by themselves i truly don't believe that you obviously need god but i feel like you also need a community of people and you need weekly worship with those people and that 
that is what's that's what's kept me in. If I if I was just out on my own, I would be I would be lost. It's that coming back to see those same people, coming back to hear those hear the messages from the pastors, sticking sticking together in that community, and you know depending on each other. Like the amount of quality people that I've met at this church is is unbelievable, and they've changed my life forever. Mm-hmm. So I would say community has been the biggest the biggest piece of. of I mean that's what a church is supposed to be. But I, I feel like I saw it and I lived it out here. And that's been something that's going to change me forever because now I'm, wherever I go, um, you know, that's what I'm going to look for is a, a community of quality Christian believers that are going to make me a better person. And I feel like that's what Crossroads did. Uh, well, I think we probably feel the same way about you, man. I'm going to miss think, you. I'll miss you too, for sure. All uh, right. Thanks for sitting in the hot seat, dude. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening to our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so that you can be notified of our most recent content. If you have any comments or questions for us, feel free to jump over to WashingtonCrossroads.com. Thank you again and have a great week.